All right. Well, good morning, everyone. It's my pleasure to speak to dozens of people here today. <laughs> oh. I want to welcome everybody that's watching online today. So good to have you guys with us. Well, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Psalm 103. That's, this is the, the theme verse here for our, our series, Forget Not Your Benefits. Forget not your benefits. Psalm 103, verses 1 to 5. I'd like to read the first five verses for you again here today. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. Does that encourage your soul? See, David is, it's like he's trying to encourage his own soul, isn't he? He's talking to his soul here. Praise the Lord, my soul. Praise the Lord, my soul. Right? He's telling himself, don't forget what you have in God. He's trying, he's challenging his emotions and his thinking How many of you know that in the battle, in the storm, when life gets hard, it's important to remember who you are. It's important to remember whose you are. That you're forgiven, that you're healed, that you're redeemed, that you're crowned with love and compassion. What a God we serve, amen? Today, I just feel like God wants to challenge our emotions, and our thinking, and he wants our souls to be encouraged today. Last week, we we started talking about the benefit of healing, and specifically, that God wants us well. You know, that, that really is my personal conviction. I truly do believe that God wants us well. I love talking about healing. I love preaching about healing. I believe that Jesus stripe by by Jesus stripes we are healed. I believe that. I believe that it's God's will for his kids to be healthy and to be healed. And the reason I believe that is not because of all the different experiences in my life and the experiences of other people. But the reason why that's my personal conviction is because I have not to this point seen anything in the Bible that would tell me different. And until I see that, that's always going to be my conviction. But I also believe that, that this truly is the first obstacle, if you want to call that, that we, that we need to get over to see healing manifest regularly in our lives. Because if healing is our benefit in Christ, 
Should we see healing regularly manifest in our lives? That's a tough question for, for some of us, isn't it? Right? But I really truly believe we need to get to a place where we believe and know that God wants us well. And so that was our focus last week. We talked about the name of God. How many of you believe in the name Jehovah Rapha? To not believe in his name is, is, is really taking his name in vain. Right? We, we've all heard that commandment of taking God's name in vain. To take his name in vain is to treat it as worthless or that it has no value. Does Jehovah Rapha have value in your life? We talked about our healing is as part of the atonement. That it was part of the price that Jesus paid when he went to the cross. That Jesus took our sins and our sickness to the cross. Isaiah 53 talks about how he bore our griefs. And then in Matthew 8, that's translated in the New Testament. Griefs is translated as sickness. How many of you know that our salvation is not just limited to forgiveness of sins? How many of you know that? Some of you do, okay? But even that word salvation, the Greek word for salvation, the verb form is sozo. Have you ever heard the word sozo? Right? The noun form of that word you might have heard me talk about in the past, soteria. But sozo, soteria, it means forgiveness. It means deliverance. It means healing. It means protection, soundness, safety, and preservation. That there's more to our salvation than just forgiveness of sins. Then we talked about Jesus' life. Brad talked about it today. Jesus only spoke the will of God. Do you know that Jesus also only did the will of God? Is that true? That 17 different times Jesus prayed for a multitude of sick people. And he healed them all. He healed them all. Everyone Jesus prayed for was healed because God wanted all of them to be well. That was God's will. How many of you know he's the same today as he was then? And then we also talked about how we're healed by grace. That we're not healed by our works. You know, I think, I think we could probably all agree in this place that we're supposed to be good stewards of our bodies. Is, is that a statement that we can, we can agree with? We can get behind that, that? That we're supposed to be good stewards of our bodies? I think so. And I think all of us probably could agree too that, that sometimes sickness can come in when we're not good stewards of our bodies. Is that true? Okay, I'm going to share a story next week about myself, about how that happened. Okay? But, but if our healing, listen, if our healing was dependent on the stewardship of our bodies, that means our healing would be by what? Works. Okay, and we all know it's possibly very healthy and very fit and still die of a sickness. 
Okay, so we're not healed by our works. And you know what? That also includes faith. We're not healed by the work of faith either. But we're healed the same way we're saved. We're healed by grace through faith. Amen? Every person that has ever been healed has two things in common. Number one, they were sick. And number two, God loved them. That's the only two things that everyone who's ever been healed in the history of this planet has in common. They were sick, and God loves them. We're healed by grace. We're healed because God so loved us that he allowed Jesus to take all of our sin and all of our sickness with him to the cross. Amen? Now, if God wants us well, here's what we're going to talk about today. If God wants us well, if that's true, then why? Why do I still get sick? Why am I, why am I not healed? Why, why did my family member, who's a Christian, who has tremendous faith in healing, who had, who had hundreds of people pray for their healing, why did, why did that person die of a sickness? That's what we're going to try and tackle today and next Sunday as well. We're going to try and talk about and figure out the why. Okay? And so today and next week, we're going to talk about some of the obstacles to healing. Try to answer some of the reasons why people don't get healed. Okay? And through that, we're also going to, uh, I think, see why we still get sick. But here's just a few things before I get started, okay? First of all, I recognize that this can be a very sensitive issue for people, okay? And, and this is a sensitive issue for me, I'll be honest with you, okay? Um, so I want to be sensitive to that, and so I want everyone to understand right now that I'm not judging anyone. When I talk about, about some of these common reasons why people don't get healed or why people get sick... That, that this is not a judgment today. I just want to rebuke any spirit of judgment or accusation right now before we even start. Okay? My heart is not to judge, but my, seriously, my heart is that we could take advantage of this benefit that God gave us. That is my heart for all of us. Okay? Here's number two. This is not an exhaustive list that I'm going to go through. Okay? And, and so I'm going to share what I believe to be the most common reasons um, that people are sick or don't get well, but it's not an exhaustive list. That means these, this is not the only reasons people don't get healed. So when I, when I say one, uh, please don't take this personally and say, okay, what are you trying to say? <laughs> okay, this is not an exhaustive list. I'm not saying anything. Okay, I'm just saying, okay. Uh, some of the more, the more common reasons, okay? I'm not saying anything about you personally, okay? And here's number three is um, I, I actually know everything. I know the answers to every question. I've been, I've been telling my parents this and my wife this for many, many years. 
And uh, no, actually, that's not it. Number three is I do not profess to know everything, especially about healing. Okay? And so um, we're going to rely on God. We're going to rely on his word. And we're we're going to rely on his voice today and next week. Is that fair? Okay, so my challenge then for for us today, the same challenge I had last week is let's let the word of God be the foundation of our faith. Can we do that? Instead of our prejudices, instead of our, our, our thinking that might not be right, Instead of our experiences, instead of what so-and-so said, and this person thinks, and this person wrote in his book, let's just let the Word of God be the foundation. Can we do that? Okay, and let's just hear what the Word has to say to each one of us today. Okay. So today, I'm going to talk about about one... of the reasons. Next week, I'm going to talk about four or five of the reasons, okay? So I apologize for that, but when I'm going through this, I just felt like I, I, ha- I can't do this justice if I just quickly go through it. So, we're, so the first one, number one, is faith and unbelief. Faith and unbelief, okay? Now, we know, we know faith is a factor in healing, Okay, we know that, right? Because many times when Jesus healed people, what he would do is he would connect faith, he'd connect their faith to their healing. How many of you remember the Roman centurion? Remember the Roman centurion? I think that's Matthew chapter 8 talks about the Roman centurion. So he comes to Jesus, he says, my sermon, my sermon, my servant is paralyzed, Okay, I hate it when my sermon's paralyzed. It's the worst. It is the worst when that happens. Okay, but this guy, it wasn't his sermon. His servant was paralyzed. And, and so Jesus offers to come and heal him. And the centurion says, no, that's okay, Jesus. You just give me the word that he's healed. And that's good enough for me. And this is what Jesus said in Matthew eight thirteen. This is what he said to the, to the centurion. Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Okay, so his faith was connected to his servant being healed. Okay, lots of us know the story of the woman with the issue of blood. Okay, so this woman suffered for for many years with this illness, but but Jesus is passing by her one day in a big crowd of people, and she she believes in her heart that if she just reaches out and touches his cloak, that she's gonna get healed. She reaches out and touches his cloak, and guess what happened? She was healed, she was actually made whole. The Bible says she was fully restored in every way. And look what Jesus says to her in Luke chapter 8 in verse 48. Daughter, your faith has healed you. See, this woman believed that God wanted her well. And this woman believed that her healing was going to come through Jesus Christ. Okay, so she, she wasn't healed by her faith, but through her faith, healed by grace through faith. Remember the time when Jesus prayed for the 10 lepers 
Ten lepers come to Jesus. He prays for them. And then he tells them to go and see the priest. While they're on their way going to see the priest, their, their healing manifests in their physical body. So, so it didn't manifest when Jesus first prayed, but he sent them. And when they went and they were obedient to the word of God, then they received that healing. And one of those ten lepers comes back healed and praising and shouting and thanking Jesus. And look what he says in Luke 17 verse 19. Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. So we cannot deny that faith is a factor in our healing. Is that true? Faith is a factor in our healing. But I really believe, and, and you, guys, you guys tell me if this is right, but I really believe that the church, that Christians uh, today struggle with this concept of faith and healing. And I think there's a couple reasons. Okay, and so I'm sharing my opinion with you right now, okay? But I think there's a couple reasons why we struggle when I say, when, when we say your faith has made you well. Some, some of us, our guard goes up a little bit, okay? And one of the reasons that I believe that happens is because there's been very unfair judgment and criticism in the church for sick people regarding healing, okay? Okay? I think the worst thing, please hear me, the worst thing that we can do is condemn someone who's already suffering in sickness and say, you know what? I think you're probably sick because you don't have enough faith. Has anyone in this room heard that statement before? Wow. That's horrible. And I apologize. For that. And so what happens though is there's a defensiveness that comes that right away when a when especially when a preacher's standing up here talking about faith and healing, that right away there's a guard that comes up. Right? There's that defensiveness that comes because right away we're like, okay, so you're saying I've got no faith. Is that what you're saying right now? Right? And so that defensive attitude. Okay? That might prevent us from truly understanding what we really believe. Okay? Now, faith is not the only reason we don't get healed, but faith is one of them. Okay? Another reason why I think we get a little, I think maybe even cringy. Okay? Maybe a little cringe comes when a preacher starts talking about faith and healing. Is, is, is because there's, there's a lot of word, faith, doctrines out there, church movements out there. Do you, do, are you familiar with what I'm talking about? Okay. And, and so um, <clears throat> I, think, I think some of those have turned people off to the truth of faith in connection with healing. Okay. And I think some where some of those doctrines, I think, might go off the rails a little bit, okay, is, is the emphasis in our faith and our words 
over God's grace and God's sovereignty. I think that's where, where the, the trouble starts, okay? And as a result, I think people can take things to an extreme and even take things outside of God's word. And so what happens then, Christians are turned off by that and, and we shy away from faith because we don't want to be associated with those movements. And so then we go way too far the other way and we start to ignore and even deny that faith has anything to do with us not getting healed. Okay? And, and I think what we really need to do is we really need to learn as, as believers, as mature Christians, we need to learn how to chew the meat and spit out the bones. Okay? Because even in those word faith movements, there is a lot of truth in there. Okay? I'm not, I, I, I don't agree with everything of every, of every you know, movement, but, but there's still a lot of truth there. And the truth is, is that faith is a factor in our healing. Okay? It's certainly not the only factor. Do you agree with that? But clearly from the word, faith is significant. And so listen, we need to ask God. We need to have some, a, a moment with the Lord where we just, we just let the Holy Spirit just inspect our hearts. And we say, God, do I really believe that you want me well? I know you're Jehovah Rapha. I know that. But I know you're, I know you're God the healer. But do I really believe that you're God, my healer? Do I really believe that, Lord? And, and I think it's okay for us to ask that question. It's just between you and the Lord. So there's no judgment, right? But there's other bad doctrines out there that I think impact our faith. Okay? And I'm going to stay, say kind of a bold statement here, and I'm, I'm going to try and... I'm going to try and follow it up, okay? But I'm going to say any doctrine that suggests that God is the author of our sickness is a bad doctrine, okay? I don't believe that God is the author of your sickness. 1 John 3, 8 says, but the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, not partner with them. Sickness came into this world through the fall. It's a result of sin, and it's a part of death that came into the world. I like this quote from Andrew Womack. Jesus would no more put sickness on you than he would lead you to sin. I agree with that. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38 says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by God. Is that what it says? It, no, it doesn't. It says all who were oppressed by the yeah. devil for God was with him. Jesus healed all who were oppressed by the devil, not all who were oppressed by God. Okay, okay, and, and if he was healing something, someone that God gave sickness to, then he's going against God's will. But that didn't happen with Jesus, because as we talked about already, Jesus healed them 
all, <laughs> everybody. I love Jesus, <laughs> don't you? What a cool savior. Let me ask you a question though. If we're sick, if we're sick and we believe that God gave us that sickness, then how are we gonna fight that sickness in our life? We're not going to. We won't. But we're going to submit to that sickness in our life if we think it's from God. We're going to get sick and we're going to stay sick. That's the bottom line. I wonder if the enemy would like us to believe that God has given us sickness. I wonder. I wonder how many people tolerate sickness because they believe God gave it to them. But if Satan, if the devil is the author of our sickness, then we need to fight against sickness the same way we fight against sin. Don't raise your hand if this is, if this is a yes, but how many of you tolerate sin in your life? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Please don't raise your hand. How many of you tolerate sin? Are we supposed to tolerate sin? Why not? Because the power of sin has been broken. The penalty of sin has been paid for. Amen? Jesus took our sin to the cross. How many of you know that the power of sickness has been broken? That the penalty of sickness has been paid for? That Jesus took all of our sickness to the cross? Amen. Hallelujah. We don't have to tolerate sickness. Just like we don't have to tolerate sin. Here's four bad doctrines that keep people sick. Number one, God punishes it. <laughs> what, was, what was that even? That wasn't even a word. But God punishes. God punishes us with sickness because of our sin. That's a bad doctrine. Okay, that is a lie that keeps people sick through guilt. See, now you're sick. Because of that stupid thing you did. Because that stupid thing you said. God's punishing you. God's punishing you because you're a jerk. Because you're a bad Christian. You're a bad Christian. You don't read your Bible. God's, God's, God's going to let you know about it. The sickness. That's a lie. And now people think that they deserve to be sick. And they accept their sickness because God's punishing them. But we know that's not true. Because we know that God took all of our punishment for our sin, didn't he? Jesus took it all, didn't he? Hallelujah. If you've been told that, the enemy's just trying to keep you sick. Number two, God gives us sickness so we can learn lessons from him. This, this is a really common one. Now, is it true that we can learn lessons through our sickness? Absolutely, we can. Okay? Um, we can also learn lessons through our sin. Does God give us sin? Does God want us to sin so that we'll learn some lessons? Absolutely not. You know, and, and I'm, I'm sorry. I, I know it's, it sounds funny, doesn't it? And I'm not trying to be sarcastic, Okay? Because these are real doctrines that, that people believe, that I believe are keeping them sick. Okay? 
So yes, we can learn things through sickness, but that doesn't mean God gave you this sickness. And that doesn't mean that God doesn't want you well. Just because you're learning something doesn't mean he doesn't want you well. Number three, God gives us sickness to glorify him. God does not give us sickness to glorify him, but can God be glorified through our sickness? Absolutely. Absolutely. God can use anything for his glory. Right? God God can even use me. (laughs) God can even use an ass. Talking donkey. Right? I'm not talking about me anymore. I'm talking about that story in the Bible. You know what, you guys? That was really... (laughs) That was not funny. I'm talking about that story where, where the donkey was talking. Man. But listen, God can use anything for his glory. Right? God can use anything for his glory. He can, he can even use the plans of the devil, even the things the enemy planned to harm us with. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and so does Jesus. Is that how John 10.10 goes? No. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Someone's like, what version are you reading? Is that, is that from the message? No, I'm just kidding. The thief, comes to steal, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus comes to give us abundant life. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. God can work all things for good, even plans to steal, kill, and destroy. God can still work those for good and glorify his name because he deserves to be glorified. Amen? Amen. Okay. But that doesn't mean God gave you the sickness. He's not the author of it. Number four... I'm going to spend a little more time on number four. God gives us sickness to keep us humble. Where, where do you think this, this comes from in the Bible? Where do you think people might get this from in the Bible? What's that? Joel, I didn't hear Jasmine. The Beatitudes, Okay. Job? Oh, that's what you said first, Job? Paul. Paul. Okay. That's kind of the one that I had in mind. Okay, Paul's thorn. Okay, I want to spend a little time on Paul's thorn. Do you know what my thorn is? Paul's thorn. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) Okay, I want to spend a little time on this. So this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We read about Paul's thorn. And I just want to read it to you, verse 7 to 10. This is just that little portion of Scripture that people will take this, these three, four verses, and then this is where they come up with this idea that God wants us to be sick, that God gives us sickness so that we can be humble. Okay, verse 7 to 10. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Consider, sorry, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I 
I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Okay? So what happens, I think, is many people uh, believe through this scripture that God gave Paul a sickness to humble him because he's, he's being too arrogant or prideful because of the revelations that he's been getting. And we know that Paul wrote half the New Testament. Okay? And so, and then when Paul prayed for healing, that God didn't heal him. He just said, deal with it. Okay? And so that's what a lot of people believe, this portion of Scripture. And then many people will use this as justification for being sick. Okay? And we talked about last week a little bit about one of the reasons we don't like to talk about healing is because then if God really wants us well, then we need to take some accountability and responsibility for it in our life. But it's a lot easier to just say, no, it's not God's will. Or it's a lot easier for us to say, well, I'm just like my brother Paul. God's just give me that thorn. <laughs> I'm so spiritual. <laughs> right? And, and, and so instead of fighting against it, they submit to that sickness because they believe God gave them that sickness to make them humble. Here's number one. The Bible doesn't say this is a sickness. Okay? The Bible does not say that this thorn is a sickness. But it says very clearly that the thorn is a messenger from Satan. This is not a messenger from God. This is a messenger from Satan. This is a demonic force that is sent to buffet Paul. That word buffet means to attack or to strike again and again and again and again and again. That's what that means. Okay? Number two. This thorn was not sent to humble Paul because of his pride, but Paul had an incredible ministry. People were coming to Jesus Christ through his ministry. People were getting raised from the dead, and demons were getting cast out, and there was tremendous miracles happening in Paul's ministry. That's why the enemy sent a demon to buffet Paul. Okay, number three... If you read this story in context of all of 2 Corinthians, then it's much easier to see what Paul was actually talking about when he said infirmities. Okay, that word infirmities to us means sickness. There's lots of times in the New Testament where infirmities is not translated sickness. And in fact, he translated, translates himself infirmities as something else in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, just the chapter before. And please remember, this is one letter. This is not, Paul did not write this, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse whatever. This is one letter, okay? And so just a few verses before, okay, Paul lists the infirmities that he's talking about in, in chapter 12, Right? He says, many times I've been thrown in prison. Three times he was beaten with rods, like a metal rod. Three times Paul was shipwrecked. 
listen to this, five times Paul was whipped the 39 lashes, as was the Jewish custom in that, in that punishment. Five times he was whipped the 39 lashes. Okay, did you know the Romans didn't have a limit to the lashes? Who, who administered the whipping to Jesus? It was the Romans. We don't know that it was 39. Paul was mocked. He was robbed by bandits. He was stoned. And then look what he says in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 30. If I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. All of his infirmities were hardships and persecution. Okay, Paul's thorn, the repeated attack, the repeated buffet from the enemy, this demonic messenger, was persecution and hardships, I believe I should say, was persecution and hardships. I believe that because of what he says when we take this whole, this scripture in context of all of Second Corinthians. <clears throat> so I don't believe God gave Paul sickness, but what did he give him? Grace. He gave him grace. When did we determine that that was something weak? When did we determine that when God says, my grace is sufficient for you, that we're saying, okay, God just wants me to live in loss, in lack. When did we determine that? God did not give him Weakness, he gave him grace, he gave him power, ability, and strength to overcome adversity, to fulfill his purpose. Doesn't matter what Satan's trying to do, doesn't matter how many messengers of Satan comes, but his grace is sufficient for us. When God says, My grace is sufficient for you, he's not saying, Well, good luck. Good luck with that. Deal with it. But there's provision and there's ability and there's strength and there's victory in the grace of God. We're saved by grace. We're free because of his grace. We're healed because of his grace. Hallelujah. There's victory in the grace of God. His grace is sufficient for us. Amen. Hallelujah. But for many people, getting healed... It's not even a matter of faith. Many people, they don't have trouble with those doctrines. They don't believe that God's the author of their sickness. They believe God wants them to be well. And for many people, faith is not the factor. It's unbelief. It's unbelief. You're saying, you just mean lack of faith. No, I just talked about lack of faith. Okay, unbelief and lack of faith are two different things. I want to help you with that. Okay, so in Mark chapter 9, there's a father that asked Jesus to heal his son. You guys remember this story? His son is having all these terrible seizures. And, and this father is just desperate and just comes to Jesus and, and asks that Jesus heal his son. And so Jesus asked the father in verse 21, Mark 9, 21 to 23, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. 
And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. So, so, so this father is actually recognizing this sickness as a demonic thing. Okay, and we're going to talk about that next week a little bit. Okay, and so, and so then Jesus says, but the father says, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Wow, what a statement. And, and, we, and we're going to try and deny that faith is a factor in our healing? Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. So the father said, Jesus, I believe. I believe you can do it. I believe you want to make him well. Help my unbelief. So see, he's saying here that, that it shows us here that we can have faith and unbelief at the same time. That your heart can be saying, yes, God, I believe you heal and I believe you want to heal me. But our head could be saying something totally different, right? And so... And, and, and that could be based on the circumstances around us, right? Telling us something different. And so unbelief and fear, they come when we allow those circumstances surrounding us to influence us, right? And, and really this, we, remember we're talking about the labor of faith? Do you guys remember that? We're talking about the labor of faith? This is really the labor of faith. It's fighting against unbelief. Okay, it's, it's standing firm in what you believe, standing firm in God's word, even though there's an assault on your senses all around you, right? It's believing in your healing, believing in Jehovah Rapha. It's believing in the finished work of the cross, even though the doctor's report's telling you something different, even though your body's telling you something different, even though your Job-like friends are telling you something different. Right? That's the labor of faith. Okay? And I think Peter is the perfect example of this. And we've talked about this a lot, but do you remember when Jesus, he's walking on the water toward the disciples' boats? And it's stormy. And the disciples are freaked out until they realize this is Jesus walking on the water. And then Jesus calls out to the disciples in the boat and he says for them to come to him. He bids them to come to him. And Peter steps out of the boat and starts walking on water toward Jesus. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you, and I'm not talking about a frozen lake. <laughs> How many of you have ever walked on water? There, just for people at home, no one raised their hand. Okay. And, and so let me ask you this question. How can we possibly say that Peter doesn't have faith? There's another thorn for me. <laughs> what do you mean Peter didn't have faith? He's the only one that stepped out of the boat and started walking on water. Right? 
He's got plenty of faith in Jesus. But then what happens? Peter sees the wind and the waves. He sees the circumstances around him, right? His senses are telling him something different than what Jesus just told him. Jesus just said, it's okay, come walk towards me. You can walk on water. It's not a problem. But then his senses got an assault of the circumstances and the natural world around him, and he starts to sink because unbelief and fear start to come in. And what happens? It neutralized his faith. So yes, Peter had faith, but then he also started to have unbelief because he started to focus on the circumstances around him instead of the truth of what Jesus said, right? And so unbelief can keep us sick. What do you think the best way to fight against unbelief? What do you think the best way would be? What's that? Sure, absolutely. That's the right answer. Yeah, prayer, supplication. Anybody else? How do we fight against unbelief? How do, how do we labor in faith? How do we stand firm in what God said, even though the doctor said something else, and this person said this, and, and even though, you know, I'm feeling my body's telling me something <laughs> contrary to even though I'm hacking it up every night, coughing and, you know, like, uh, how do we do that? How do we, how do we do that labor of faith? I think the best way is to renew our mind with the word of God. I think that's the best way. To, to, to just keep pouring in the word of God so that, so that it becomes louder than the wind and the waves. That the word of God becomes louder than all the circumstances around us. It becomes louder than what even our own senses are telling us. To get to that place, we're like, I don't, I don't care what you say, body. I respect you, doctor. I thank you for what you do. But, but your report is, is, is different than his report. And I'm going I'm to go with his report on this one. Because by Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. Amen. So I don't think we need more faith. We're always talking about we need more faith. I think we just need more word. Does that make sense? We need more word. We need God to help us with our unbelief. Right? He's already given us faith. If you got faith enough to get saved, you got faith enough to get healed, don't you? <laughs> if you can believe that God can clean you, Clean your spirit and soul of all your sin, past, present, and future. Then you got enough faith for him to take away a chest congestion. And like we said last week, healing a hangnail is no different than healing cancer for God. Amen? It's no different. Hallelujah. Amen. See, aren't you glad I'm not talking about the next five right now? So, so faith and unbelief. Faith and unbelief, that, that, that's the first, the first reason we're talking about why sometimes people don't get, get healed or people get sick. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to invite our worship team forward. And I'm going to invite our prayer team forward as well.
And we're just going to do a couple things, okay? Prayer team's a little depleted today. <laughs> we're just going to do a couple things. Isn't it great to have Stacy back at church today? Stacy. Stacy Sims. She just said, God is good. Here's what I'd like us to do. Um, I'd like us to spend a little time just, just between just you and the Lord. Let's just spend a little time between you and the Lord. Let's just, let's just have that moment of inspection, okay? And, and maybe we need to ask, God, do I really believe that you want me well? Maybe we need to ask, God, do I have a right attitude about healing? Or if I've been a little bit jaded, right? Or God, do I have some hurts that maybe need to be healed right now in this area? God, maybe, is there someone that I need to forgive, Lord, because of an unfair judgment or criticism or accusation that they made about me when I was sick? You know, um, you know do I believe, God, that you are, you are not the author of my sickness? And, and maybe, or maybe we just have some fear or some unbelief that we just got to deal with right now, right? God, just let your word, let your word just take care of that unbelief and that fear. So as the worship team plays, what I want you to do is just have that moment with the Lord. Say, God, what are you saying to me through this message? It might not be any of the things that I just said. Okay? And, and if you'd like to, to, to just spend that time with the Lord praying, be with him in prayer, if you'd like to come for prayer, then the prayer team is going to pray with you too. Okay? And then after that, I'm just going to do what it talks about in James chapter 5 and 15. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. And I just want to pray with you. Let's, let's just offer, after we spend that time with the Lord, if you want to come for prayer, please do that. And I'm just going to close it by offering a prayer of faith to make the sick well. Does that sound good? We make it so much harder than it has to be. It's not hard. It's not hard for God. It's not hard for God. Amen. Let's spend some time with the Lord.